Welcome back to the program. And normally I just begin with a, a prayer. I know on Mondays when I, I'm on with uh, the priests, Father Nagel and Father Lewis, uh, we'll also begin with a scripture reading and a prayer. And I'm going to do that today. I'm going to begin with a scripture reading. And it's uh, it was chosen for me, interestingly. It's the uh, first reading of this prayer service, this penance service, that our Holy Father, Pope Francis, will be leading in uh, in an hour. An hour from now, Pope Francis will be leading a penance service that culminates in and leads to an act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It, you can't really be very active in the Catholic world and be on social media and on uh, YouTube or or. Facebook or other places without bumping up against the fact that there is an act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary happening today, today on the Feast of the Incarnation, the Feast of the Annunciation. And so uh, this is a big deal feast day in the life of the church, and there's a big deal action that's happening right now. Um, and But during that prayer service that you hear, it'll be in Italian, uh, there's a first reading, and the first reading is from Colossians chapter 1. So I'm going to begin with that scripture and then pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Therefore, from the day we heard this, we do not cease praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding to live in a manner worthy of the Lord, so as to be fully pleasing in every good work, bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with every power, in accord with his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has made you fit to share in the inheritance of the Holy Ones in light, he delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in Jesus' holy name, and we do ask through the intercession, the mighty, beautiful, powerful intercession of the Blessed Mother, the Immaculate One. We ask, O Immaculate Conception, to pray for us and to pray for the world today as we turn to you and we entrust ourselves to you. Along with our Holy Father, led by our Holy Father and the bishops and priests of this world who join him in consecrating ourselves, all of humanity, Russia and the Ukraine, into your Immaculate Heart. Please, Mother Mary, receive us today and intercede for us to your Son. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Mary Grace, the prayer was like very theological, very like l structured, and yet also spontaneous. What an interesting kind of balance <laughs> yeah. to blend all those things together. Yeah. I, um, I, when I looked at that reading, I didn't recognize it. It, it, not that I didn't recognize Colossians chapter one, but that translation, I, I just haven't been as familiar with that new translation, um, which was interesting because it, it made certain things jump out at me, certain themes jumped out that uh, I'm used to reading the Bible that I'm, I'm pointing at right in front of me on the table that I've had for 35 years, and that's an older translation. But it's one that I'm much more familiar with, and it's one that... Um, I, I'm also familiar with Colossians 1 from the Liturgy of the Hours. So it's interesting how different scriptures bring out different insights into uh, God's Word and how God's Word shines a light on our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and different translations are missing some of the books themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, just kind of say that in passing. Well, Mary Grace, for those folks who uh, are not aware, you're our, uh, Carrie and my oldest daughter, and you're back. You're back from Newburgh, Oregon, where you're studying and living. Um, you're, you're studying at George Fox University, and mm -hmm. how's that going? It's your first semester. Oh, it's great. I love school. I haven't been in school in person since I was in high school, which was four years ago, 
So I was in online school last year, but I couldn't continue because I wanted to be in school in person. So conveniently, the town that I live in has a university, a Christian university, just a mile from my house. So I decided to enroll and I love it. Yeah. And it's, when you think about it's a Christian university, I know lots of universities these days are struggling to like retain their sense of authentic identity because there's so many ways that the world has infiltrated the university system, even Catholic universities and Christian universities. How have you found it? Mm, it's a mixed bag. I would say that most of my professors, out of the five, four of them really love the Lord which is really awesome. And I've had some really cool conversations with, one of them was a missionary in Russia for 10 years. Um, one of them leads a small group at his house that I go to every week. Um, and we're reading a book and he really loves the Lord. And then, yeah, in one of my classes, we're reading Lord of the Rings. We talked about that about a month ago. And Still We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. Um, so getting to talk with my professors is really awesome. There is a professor I know who's Catholic that one of my friends told me about that he wanted to be a monk, but he got married and he graduated from Yale. He has a doctorate, loves the Lord, wants to convert everyone to the Catholicism. Haven't got the chance to talk to him yet, but I plan to. I emailed him. I found out his office hours. But yeah, a lot of cool professors. The kids not so much that I have found, mostly because a lot of the kids in my classes are uh, in some of the general like core classes that I have to take because I just joined this semester. Some of them are freshmen and sophomores. So they're like, imagine 18 and 19 year olds possibly going to college for the first time. This is the one school that their parents said they would pay for because it's a Christian school. A lot of these kids don't really know the Lord don't really have a sense of identity. Um, so that's a little bit harder to connect on. They're definitely more, and I'm in, I'm a social work major. So as you can imagine, some of the kids in my class are pretty fired up about issues that I like totally disagree with them on. So that's interesting trying to maintain, uh, like the truth, but also be compassionate and not just be the person who wants to argue with them all the time. Cause I don't actually want to argue with them. Um, but yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's good. <laughs> well, th there's there was a, a big event that happened. Well, it wasn't intended oh, to yeah. be a big event, but it was a one of your like rhetoric classes or a class on communication. Speech. Yeah. yeah, tell the story. It's a powerful story. I love it. Yeah, I'll tell it. Uh, so in my communication class, we had to everyone had to give a speech in on any topic they wanted, an informative speech, not a persuasive speech. So it was really emphasized that we couldn't try to uh, sway the audience one way or the other with our speech, but we could talk about anything we wanted, recipes, traveling. So I said, okay, I'm going to speak about something that matters. If I have five to eight minutes in front of a classroom of 30 kids, oh, I'm going to talk about whatever, like something that that's important. Um, so I decided to expose Planned Parenthood and I'm really passionate about that and really wrote a pretty thorough speech just exposing Margaret Sanger and the racist history of Planned Parenthood, talk about what abortion actually is um, and how they're uh, still fulfilling her vision and mission for Planned Parenthood today. Um, and I wrote it and I gave it and it felt pretty intense because I was just kind of stating the facts and by the end had pretty clearly shown how evil Planned Parenthood is. Um, but of course, I wasn't sure what the kids in my class thought. And I asked my teacher, I said, uh, hey, at the end of my speech, I was like, hey, can I like share something with, with the class real quick? And she was like, sure. And I was like, hey, guys, like, hey, it's me, uh, <laughs> me after the speech. Uh, that was kind of intense. And I just want to let you guys know um, that if there's anyone in here who has had an abortion or if any guy in here has gotten a girl pregnant from an abortion and then I kind of went into or if you then just like listed a bunch of sins basically I was like if you're far from the Lord um, he 
like has so much mercy for you. Basically, I preached the gospel. I was like, the devil wants you to think that you're alone. You're the only person dealing with these things. Um, but actually, like Jesus wants to be near to you. Um, and then I was like, your life on earth isn't very long. And I want you guys to have like beautiful, full lives. Um, and like, there's a chance for you to repent and follow Jesus. You can have freedom today. Um, yeah, it was pretty great. And then I went and sat down. They all clapped after that. And I was like, well, if I made them mad with the Planned Parenthood thing, maybe this won them over. Um, I didn't care too much about winning people over, but I didn't want them to think I was angry politics girl. Um, so yeah, I sat down and then at the end, uh, my teacher was like, my grace, can I, can you come talk to me real quick? And I was like, oh gosh, is she going to be mad at me? I don't know what she believes. Um, and I knew she was a Christian, but that could mean anything. Uh, and so I went up to her and she said in the, my 14 years of teaching, she has like a doctorate in public relations and my 14 years of teaching communication, that was the best speech I've ever heard. Uh, you were so brave. Like I never would have had the bravery to speak about something like that. I've never heard someone speak about abortion. Um, you should switch to communications major. <laughs> and she's like, what major are you? You should take some more classes. Um, and I said, thank you. Went outside and there was like a group of three girls waiting outside who all wanted to talk to me. And they're like, thank you so much for saying those things. You're so brave. Uh, they all wanted to get my phone number. Then I went to class, my next class, and a girl came up to me, said the same thing. And then a kid in my class emailed me later and was like, thank you so much for uh, sharing the love of Jesus, but also sharing the truth. Um, and apparently they're starting a, they just started a pro-life group on campus, which is awesome. Um, so there's some people there who are pretty fired up and I think I might get involved in that a little bit, but yeah, overall it went really well and I'm glad I shared what I did right before I was like, I don't know, I, maybe I should have chosen something a little, maybe I should have just shared the gospel for five minutes, but I'm glad I did it. <laughs> uh, and Mary Grace, what I love about that is this wasn't, it wasn't a, a required path for you to take. You could have shared about a recipe or about a trip you took. It could have been an easy, comfortable thing to just share the facts about something that maybe just mattered a lot less, maybe just mattered to you. But I love the fact that you took the opportunity to um, use that those five to eight minutes well and that you put in the effort to research and say, how do I deliver a message that is inviting and in, I mean, that's informative, but not persuasive. And yet then after that, you followed that prompting to say, let me share the gospel in a way that would lead these young people, you know, forward. Uh, that is, in a lot of ways, what you're talking about there is what we're, what today the Pope is doing. Hmm. The Pope is drawing attention to a factual situation of what's happening in the world today, in the Ukraine and in Russia. And he is laying out the facts, but then he's saying, I've got some news. I've got some news that if this is the, the situation that is not just Ukraine and Russia, but maybe this is indicative or uh, provides an analogy for something happening in your life where you're experiencing strife and a battle and an invasion and you're now a refugee and you're concerned about the reality of the situation of your humanity or the human what's happening in your family this is a moment to entrust yourself to the blessed mother to consecrate your life to the immaculate heart of mary as a, as a, a doorway into a new intimacy with jesus a, a new experience of his power to watch what he can do to bring an era of peace into your life. Uh, so I, even even though this is like your situation speaking in a communications class at your college, it is for me a beautiful way or entry point into understanding what Pope Francis is offering to the church today uh, in this like momentous uh, decision to consecrate the, the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, not just the world, but in a special way, Ukraine and Russia and all of humanity. So um, I, first of all, I'm very proud of you for being willing to do that. And it's like, look how lo the Lord blessed it. Look how the Lord blessed it 
in, in ways that you are aware of, but imagine there are other ways that you're not even aware of that the Lord is, is using that. So, yeah. uh, good job, Mary Grace. Thank right, you. When we come back, I'm going to continue the conversation with Mary Grace. And yes, we are going to talk about that uh, consecration and other things today on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kernum with my daughter, Mary Grace, and uh, having a conversation. You're home visiting for a few days, and you said, sure, Dad, I'll be on the radio. What do we want to talk about? <laughs> well, it's Lent, and uh, you had that really powerful story that you shared just a few minutes ago. Um, first of all, how's your Lent going? It is a surprise, but it's good. <laughs> yeah? yeah? What's the surprise this year? Uh, reading preparation for death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, we had, I think we touched upon it a little bit, but, uh, the last time we were here, had, had you been reading that? No, I was reading, uh, Francis de Sales. Oh, that's right. Introduction to the devout life. Yes. Yeah. And you mentioned preparation for death. And then so, you got motivated. So now looking back, yeah, I got motivated. But what I said to you today was looking back, Alphonsus Liguori, who is the author of preparation for death makes Francis de Sales seem like a pretty sweet guy. And when I was reading Francis de Sales the first time, I was like, this guy's pretty devout, pretty intense, making me feel pretty humble. This preparation for death is a whole, whole new level. This is, this is leveling up. So. You know, I was, um, I think I was 20 years old when I read preparation for death for the first time. Yeah, I think it, I, it's shaking. I opened it a couple of years ago, but I think it was too much. It's kind of like ignorance is bliss and kind of reading it, knowing what could be could be in the book. It's like, oh, well, if I put it down, I don't have to be responsible for what I read. But if you read it, it's kind of like, well, I know I know it's at stake. <laughs> you can't unread what you read. Yeah. yeah. Is there any... Um, there's, there's short meditations and mm-hmm. he just brings you thematically through, uh, like, like what's at stake in life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and walks you through some pretty heavy mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any particular, uh, meditations that jump out at you? I know you don't have the book in front of you, but, That's okay. uh, or even just a truth that like has emerged into greater clarity or maybe with power in your own life, your own outlook on life. Well, I love anything that he writes about eternity. I think there's a line he says, we stand always at the gates of eternity, um, which I love. I always, I'm always thinking about eternity. Um, And he really drives home the point that we can't bring anything with us on, that we have on earth to heaven, not people or He's basically like, get rid of any attachment you have to anything that isn't God or that you place an attachment to something that you place higher than God, um, which has been something that kind of keeps coming up in my mind. Even at the beginning of every day, I'm like, okay, is there anything that I've been placing higher than the Lord? Okay, if so, God, help me get rid of that. So Mary Grace, that's a beautiful idea. Um, can you give me an example of what that looks like when you talk about the idea that something might be um, an attachment that's part of your day? Like you wake up in the morning and like, what are you attached to that says, I need to surrender this and, and let God be God? Here's a really simple one that <laughs> sounds kind of dumb, but I have like coffee that I make every morning and um when all my roommates come downstairs sometimes we make coffee and you like pour all the coffee into like like a jar and like just keep it so I don't have to make it the next few days and it's really convenient for me some if I'm like praying in the morning and my roommates come downstairs I will say to all of them oh you guys can all like help yourselves to the coffee that I just made or like help yourselves to the food that I just made and it's like a dumb thing and afterwards I'm like oh yeah it was so easy to give it to them and it didn't really financially impact me that much and like I'll be fine I can make coffee again tomorrow but before then I'm like I it'd be so much easier or I'll I'll be annoyed if someone comes down and asks me if they can have some and I'm like well just make your own but 
<laughs> this is just like a okay i'll just like release this to the lord god you're the one who provides this for me anyways you're the one who got me a job to get money to be able to have this and i have roommates and they're awesome um and i have the chance to give to them and it's like that's like a little sacrifice but yeah <laughs> that is so do you know anybody else like that <laughs> do you know anybody else that I, I, this morning, this morning, I woke up and came out, and next to the coffee pot was the toaster, and next to the toaster was not just like white bread and wheat bread, but those Costco like rolls, mm. uh, you know, those like kind of square rolls mm-hmm. types. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. They're like my favorite bread. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, they're very. They make really good toast. Oh. It's make, like it's, it's they're kind of like bagels. Kind of like bagels, but they're they're uh, made they, they're for sandwiches. I don't know what yeah, they're called. Yeah, it's like a sandwich bread. It's kind of puffy, and it's I don't know what kind of what the shape is. Kind of, they're square, but they're puffy. It, yeah. Let's just say that they're pure gold, is what they are. <laughs> I, I swear that the manna that fell from heaven looked like that. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Well, I woke up and sure enough, came out and I saw three. There were three left. How many people are in this house? Right now there are nine. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm up first. Have my coffee. Perfect. No one will even know. No one will even know until Luciana got up. And Luciana is a foodie, our little fifth grader here. Mm-hmm. Loves her food. And so she grabbed not I just think a everyone is. I think everyone, if they came into the kitchen, they would want let's the just good say toast. The, let's just say the first three that came into the kitchen after me got the third to last, second to last, and the last one. And I got to watch them be popped in, smell them as they got popped out, watch them be buttered, and the crunching that went on in the eating. Wow. And I... It's one of the things that you will learn if God blesses you with the gift of being a wife and a mother and you have kids and the kids are growing up, you'll learn the joy of sacrificing your joy so that they come to joy. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a sense of detachment. But I got to tell you, it was, it's right, right before. It's so it's, hard. It is right in <laughs> front of me and it's just begging to be accessed and it's like thank god it's lent thank god it's lent and thank god luciana got up because mm-hmm. it was just it was calling out my name these these panini rolls were calling out my name um but anyway so there you go there's there's one uh one sense of detachment but it is funny because that's such a small thing like god is so big and mm-hmm. I, i'll tell you one that i think is harder for well, for me, is that I'm called upon to provide for my family. And therefore, uh, I need to work. And the work I'm doing, it can be pretty intense and intensive, and it can be hard. And it and there's a kind of a, a quality of like unendingness to it. There's always more I could do. And, and then there's a sense of, oh, I'm running out of time. I'm not getting all the stuff done that I need to get done. And what can happen is it starts intruding into my prayer where I start making sacrifices, and what gets sacrificed first? Oh, I won't go to Mass today. Or I won't take my prayer time today. Or, you know, all these ors that come up. And for me, that is a, like a a central temptation where I'm not like striving to be attached to God, but the manner of life ends up attaching me to the world and... Mm. Uh, moving God into a like less central position. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just I just think about that as a um, as a, a, a Lenten thing that I'm wrestling with. Uh, I and I'm calling that sort of almsgiving. It's like a, when we're talking about it as a family, the one that I'm finding the um, I'm, I'm finding the greatest opportunities, but also the greatest likelihood that I'm going to go too far is in almsgiving compared to the uh, prayer and fasting. So hmm. anything else about uh, Alphonsus de Ligori's uh, preparation for death that has uh, jumped out at you? Otherwise, we can kind of push forward. Actually, hmm. I know one thing about it. 
uh, the books that I've been feeding you, you have roommates. Mm. And these roommates are, are, are they all, I'll call them evangelical, kind of charismatic Christians? Mm-hmm. Are any of them Catholic? Uh, one of them was a baptized Catholic, but never went to Mass. <coughs> never, maybe made her first communion, but never was, n- doesn't know anything about the Catholic faith pretty much. So I'd say no. But you're living with these women who all have an intentional like life of faith and have um, a background of missionary work one in one way or another. Yeah, they all did at least a year, if not more, on the mission field. They all love the Lord. They're all, I'd say three out of four of them are pretty heavily involved in the church with me. Um, yeah, we all do youth ministry together. Uh, one of the girls, or two of the girls do skate ministry with me one of the girls is on the worship team with me um yeah they're like they're pretty on fire for the lord so so what's interesting is that um talk talk a little bit about like what a sunday is for you in terms of how you live in your life with god in terms of worship i wake up go to mass at 8 a.m well it depends on the week I like last week I woke up I have the Magnificat so I try to do the morning prayer with while I have my coffee um then went to mass came home had a three-hour break I went to worship practice for Saints Hill at noon had worship practice till 4 45 had a production meeting. Church is like two and a half hours. So we had church from the at my like Protestant church from five to seven thirty. Then we clean up, hang out for about an hour, and then I hang out with one of my friends afterwards. So, so for me, what's interesting in all of that is what? The fact that you are Catholic, you go to Mass, you love your Catholic faith, and in addition to going to Mass and living your Catholic faith, you also participate in this praise and worship, this church that that has lots of praise and worship and sort of scriptural teaching for living as a disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how do you juggle those two things? How do you um, uh, reconcile those in terms of um, like you're, you're, you're living your faith as a Catholic and yet you're also very involved in this Pentecostal type of church with praise and worship. I wouldn't say it's Pentecostal. Um, but I think it maybe it depends on what people think Pentecostal is, but, um, uh, let me think. Thankfully there's a Catholic church just like a mile from my house. So I run by it every day or walk by it. Um, I just got the code to the Adoration Chapel, so I've been going there. Um, I've been, during Lent, I've been praying the rosary every day, um, which I think I'll probably continue. Um, And I go to confession, go to Mass every week. My friends don't really know, well, they know I go to Mass and I'll like mention, oh, I was just at confession or I was just at Adoration, try to explain what I was doing. But... Um, yeah, that's like obviously a really important part of my week, but also like all of my, I think it's hard because my community and all of my friends and the reason I'm in Newburgh is because of Saints Hill, which is the other church. Like we have skate ministry on Tuesday and we have high school and skate youth. ministry is the skateboard park. Yes. Uh, which is like basically discipleship with a core group of high school boys. Um, then we have high school ministry on Wednesday night and then there's like young adults on Thursday night I'm not I'm taking a break from that this semester because I'm in college I'm just like really busy um and then we have worship practice during the week uh which is like on Thursday nights also and then we have church on Sundays and sometimes we have meetings during the week basically Saints Hill is like a very big part of my day-to-day life otherwise I wouldn't be in this random small town in Oregon um 
but it's like amazing. Like it doesn't feel like exhausting or like, like all the stuff I do is volunteer work. I don't get paid for anything. Um, and I love it so much and the Lord is moving and people get healed every week during church. Um, it isn't like any, I've been to a couple Protestant services before ever doing missions. It's like nothing like anything I've ever experienced. So, but yeah, mass is also amazing. And like, I wouldn't be able to go to St. Seal without also going to mass. So, well, and what's so striking is that you have some powerful stories of your Christian friends learning about saints and their writings as you've shared it with them and all of a sudden now they've got this hunger for learning more about the catholic faith we'll talk about that in a minute welcome back to sound insight this is tom Kern. It's great to be with you today and uh, i got my daughter mary grace on with me uh she's my oldest daughter she's back visiting from newburgh oregon there she's living with um, several other women that um they shared missionary um, life together, and now they're living intentional Christian community. And uh, she's back visiting, and and I wanted to talk with her because, um, especially in Lent, but even before then, um, I've been passing on books to you, Mary Grace, and we've had a chance to talk about that on Sound Insight. And um, some of the more recent books, uh, The Introduction to the Devout Life, St. Fran- Francis de Sales, and now St. Alphonsus de Liguori, Preparation for Death. Um, these are books that you're reading, but your friends have also discovered that the books that you read are pretty cool and they will start getting those books like the Louis Evely book, that man is you and, Mm -hmm. and some other ones. Um, what's happened as you've started to, or have you, have you also started to share with them about like introduction to the devout life and, Mm -hmm. uh, preparation for death? Yeah. I'll read, if we're all sitting in a room, I'll be like, Hey guys, listen to this. This line's crazy. And I'll like read a whole page and everyone's like, Whoa, that was amazing. Can I read that book after you? Um, I don't think they're used to, uh, like really intensely beautiful, deep, profound theological books because no offense to most of the Protestant evangelical writers, but they're not St. Augustine. They're not von Balthasar. Like these guys are legit. Um, so I think it's like experiencing richness after reading like pretty good Christian books, but you know, not this like insane truth. Um, so yeah, they, they love to hear about the books or some of them borrow the books and read them. I think that's awesome. And you think about it and you say, like, what would it be for them, these people who are fired up, these young women fired up for the Lord, living their lives in community, and yet they're being exposed now to uh, the fullness of the faith, mm-hmm. the, the truth as it's being displayed. It is interesting. I have been wondering this recently about how, what lens do my friends see God through because they don't have a Catholic upbringing? And I'm like, man, they must be missing so much like so much of the substance and the fullness like i think i take that for granted that like when uh my pastors like preach on sunday or when i go to worship the lens through which i view god is like through a catholic upbringing and it's after like i don't receive we do communion at our church i don't receive communion there because it's not real but i'm like man i wonder what it would be like if they knew what like real communion was like um or if like they knew like the depths of God in this way, like that'd be so awesome. Cause they hear these little truths. I'll, I send saint quotes in my house group chat every day. And my friends are like, these quotes are amazing. I'm like, yeah, this is like your, this could be your faith. Like this is, this is actually part of the same truth, but just more fullness. Uh, like this is here for you. Like this is actually it. Um, like welcome, welcome to God. <laughs> So I w- when I was um, working for Evangelization 2000, we would have missionaries from around the world sometimes come through the international office. And I remember an evangelical convert to the Catholic faith who was now um, a missionary in Russia. And he was sharing a bit of his story with me. And this guy was a very fervent evangelical, like a leader. In yeah, the my friends, church. like, they really love the Lord. It's not like they're just like, just some girls were like, yeah, Jesus, like they're, we do worship nights and they pray and read their Bibles and they, we pray for healing and prophesy. Like 
they're on fire for Jesus. Okay, so, so here, yeah. now listen to this. So this is a guy like that, and he comes in and he said, for years and decades, I had this spiritual hunger, this hunger for Jesus, even in the midst of his living of his evangelical faith. And he said, I thought it was spiritual hunger. But when I converted and became Catholic and received communion, I realized I was just malnourished. Hmm. And that, what a powerful difference between saying I'm hungry and I'm malnourished. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying go bring that sentence back to your friends, mm -hmm. uh, your roommates. But like uh, eating a bunch of chips and candy isn't going to. Yeah, versus a, a fine. In the same way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a fine meal. And. And, and I think in some ways that's one of the incredible gifts that we've been given as Catholics is this fullness of the faith if we have the ability to access it, if we have mm -hmm. the ability to embrace it and make it our own. And then when we share it with others, it has a, a radiance and a magnetic power. Yeah, and I would challenge Catholics too on the same side. Like I don't think God is so small that he can't be present at Saints Hill. Like I have incredible worship times there that I've never had at the Catholic church and like insane prayer moments. And I've, I don't really remember a ton of prophecy. Like I remember with like Fran Lance and like some stuff with you, but not with like my Catholic friends. So there's more of God in every space. I'm like, that would be so cool. Like I'm, I feel like it's so cool that I get to see both sides of it. Um, so. Well, St. John, yeah. St. John Paul II said, we must admit that at times they, our Christian brothers and sisters, have done more with less. Isn't that a powerful sentence? Yeah. We must admit that at times they, our Christian brothers and sisters who are separated from the Catholic faith, that they've done more with less. So it's something objectively true. They have less. But yeah. what they do have, like when you think about like the gift of praise and worship or devotion mm -hmm. to reading scripture or... Uh, a, a sense of urgency around evangelizing. You can find streams of these gifts present outside the, the Catholic Church uh, in our Christian brothers and sisters. Um, I know how mom has really been blessed by that, especially that praise and worship uh, aspect of things, finding uh, a much more vigorous um, ministry of praise and worship in certain churches where that's maybe their charism. So, well, today, though, uh, Mary Grace, there's a very special event happening in the life of the Catholic Church, and it involves Pope Francis and a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And folks, again, you, you really can't be that involved in, in the Catholic world these days without being aware of that, especially because of the uh, war now raging in the Ukraine because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine about a month ago. And um, I think there was just this like, like take your breath away surprise that happened um, a, a couple of weeks ago um, when um, Pope Francis said on March the 25th, he is going to lead the church. And he, in the course of the past two weeks, has been inviting bishops and priests and now all the faithful to join him in an act of consecration. And this consecration involves, uh, first of all, Russia, and then included in that is the Ukraine, and then now all of humanity. So the, the, circles, the circles are getting wider, and so we got <laughs> included in it as well. Um, so... By the way, did you did, did you hear about that back where where you were from in any way, or did you just pretty much hear it from us? Uh, well, you guys sent it like on the first day in our family group chat about it, but I've seen some stuff about it mm -hmm. on Instagram. So, for folks who aren't aware, what is this idea of consecration? Oh, by the way, I, I I meant to say this way earlier in the program. Um, if you're wondering like when's it going to happen and where do we tune in, how do we get involved? Well, guess what? You don't have to go anywhere. It's happening on Sacred Heart Radio. Now, Pope Francis isn't coming on live on Sacred Heart Radio, but Sacred Heart Radio is joining live with the feed that is going to be airing um, from the Vatican beginning at 9 a.m. Yes, that's right. So as soon as this program ends in 15 short minutes, um, 
Pope, uh, they're going to um, have a live feed coming from Rome where Pope Francis is going to be leading a ceremony. Um, and the ceremony has a couple of parts. The first part is sort of like a liturgy of the word. It involves an examination of conscience. And so I like that because there's a way in which before you make an attempt at consecration, which is this idea of giving oneself over, you want to be in the right spiritual state. And so that means examine your conscience and make a sincere and vigorous act of repentance um, and contrition, where you seek the forgiveness of the Lord. And then after that has happened, there is some intercessory prayers and prayers are said, and then, and then there's this act of consecration. And so Pope Francis will be leading that act of consecration. And in the letter that he, um, uh, he released just uh, two days ago, um, it, it gave the actual liturgy and, and, and it mentioned that the time of the actual act of consecration is going to be around 1030 in the morning. So uh, just under two hours from now, there will be this um, actual prayer that Pope Francis will be leading. And the invitation is for the faithful around the world to gather in churches and to pray and join him in praying this act of consecration, which I think is awesome. Um, and so uh, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be um, meeting up with uh, John Mark. Uh, he, he's going to be pulled out of school. He wants to go to St. Mary's. What a great church to do it at. That's Father Lewis's church. And to pray it at 1030 in the morning. So awesome. All right. We're actually up against a break. When we come back, we'll dig a little bit further into what does this mean? Why is this important? What should we expect? Etc. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So again, in, in just a short, well, less than 15 minutes, um, Sacred Heart Radio is going to go to the live uh, broadcast coming from Vatican City, where Pope Francis will be leading a uh, prayer service um, that will culminate in the act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And our Holy Father has a, a short like letter that he released in anticipation of it. And this is what it says. He says, Nearly a month has passed since the outbreak of the war in Ukraine that is daily inflicting immense suffering upon its sorely tried people and threatening world peace. At this dark hour, the church is urgently called to intercede before the Prince of Peace and to demonstrate her closeness to those directly affected by the conflict. I'm grateful to the many people who have responded with great generosity to my appeals for prayer, fasting, and charity. Now, also in response to numerous requests by the people of God, I wish in a special way to entrust the nations at war to the Blessed Virgin Mary. As I announced yesterday at the conclusion of the Angelus, on March 25th, the Solemnity of the Annunciation, I intend to carry out a solemn act of consecration of humanity and Russia and Ukraine in particular to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Since it's fitting that we should invoke peace with hearts renewed by God's forgiveness, the act of consecration will take place in the context of a celebration of penance to be held in St. Peter's Basilica at 5 p.m. Rome time. That's 9 a.m. here. The act itself will take place about 6.30 p.m. That is about 10.30 a.m. here. This act of consecration is meant to be a gesture of the universal church, which in this dramatic moment lifts up to God through his mother and ours, the cry of pain of all those who suffer and implore an end to the violence and to entrust the future of our human family to the Queen of Peace. I ask you to join in this act by inviting the priests, religious, and faithful to assemble in their churches and places of prayer on March 25th so that God's holy people may raise a heartfelt and choral plea to Mary, our mother. I'm sending you the text of the prayer of consecration so that all of us can recite it throughout that day in fraternal union. I thank you for the attention you'll give to this request and for your ready cooperation with great affection. I bless you and the faithful entrusted to your pastoral care. May Jesus protect you and the Holy Virgin watch over you. I ask you, please also pray for me. That's from Pope Francis just released two days ago in anticipation for this act today. So Mary Grace, do you know why this is getting so much like attention? Do you know what like does it have why is this to, such a big deal? Does it have to do with Mary appeared to in Medjugorje? No. Fatima. Fatima. It's is it like they yeah. think it's the third promise? Yeah. So, or 
she said, I want you to consecrate Russia to me, to my immaculate heart. Yes. And they did it. Yeah, the request was, this was that a request given by the Blessed Mother to Sister Lucy. Um, so it wasn't one of the three secrets. But in addition to that, there was a request made by the Blessed Mother to Sister Lucy that the Pope would consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in order to end the spread of communism and to bring about an era of world peace. And they thought that was in relation to the Cold War? Yeah, so um, this was supposed to be done in relationship to the uh, the revealing of the third secret, which was supposed to happen in 1960. Um, this is when Sister Lucy um, said to the Pope that um, 1960 was the time that these secrets were to be made known so that... Um, I thought the third secret wasn't known yet, though. It wasn't, because the Pope uh, John the Twenty Third read it and decided not to reveal it. So, which is which was disobedient, or well, here's the thing, you know, um, this this is the interesting thing. It's like um, he didn't read it because it had to do with him. <laughs> this is now we now we're getting to all the Catholic speculation uh, <laughs> into these theories. these types of things, but um, obviously Pope. John the Twenty Third would have read it and, and would have said, "Is this going to be helpful? Is this going to be important? Is this really, like, literally in uh, you know an order that it, you know direct telegram from from God to him uh, and a requirement, or is this, you know, um, a pious and holy nun's request that is being received by him um, in the form of a a duty that is now imposed upon him. And so he has to discern, is this going to be good for the church or not? Whatever it was that was going on when he read it, he decided not to read it and it didn't get revealed for about 40 more years. So it wasn't until, Oh, it uh, did get revealed. Um, well here, this is where you get the Catholic speculation again, because when, um, the then Cardinal Ratzinger, um, uh, offer uh, revealed that the, they they had here's what the secret said the question was was the whole secret revealed or was it only a part of the secret that was revealed because supposedly the the amount of writing that was seen in the third secret based on the the priest who held up the letter to the light and it was like more text than seemingly was revealed when the secret was <laughs> revealed so this is how where it goes right Mm -hmm. you let you let that happen when you get to the question of did a pope ever fulfill the request of the blessed mother did a pope ever follow the requirements that sister lucy laid out as coming from the blessed mother which was that the pope in union with the bishops of the world consecrate the uh, consecrate russia by name to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, and so, if they had done it correctly, maybe this war wouldn't be happening? Then the communism wouldn't have continued to spread its errors and there would be a world peace. Mm -hmm. But if the consecration doesn't happen, then communism will continue to spread its errors and therefore all the, uh, the, the horrors that flow from that would continue to happen. And um, world peace won't come about so that's a lot of where this um like a lot of the internet and social media platforms are like just going after each other where these different sites are like it never happened oh no no pope you know pope john paul ii did it no he didn't do it the right way because he left out this word he didn't mention russia or he did it but he didn't have the union the bishops didn't do it with him and and so you have all of these kinds of speculations around, um, you know, did it happen? Didn't it happen? Well, it, it only happened part way, and therefore the blessings were only partly correct. But there's also this sense of saying, well, what should we expect to have happen? You know, is the Pope doing it the correct way? And if he is doing it the correct way and we all join with him in it, well, what's going to happen? So there are a couple of schools of thought. So one school of thought is, well, it could be like the miracle of the sun. There'll be something extraordinary, you know, shocking, and maybe the whole world will see it, or um, maybe you know the the right people will see it, and it will have a 
an incredible impact um, on the world mm-hmm. in terms of um, uh, you know stopping the spread of communism and bringing about an era of peace. So that's do it, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm up for that. Let's go. Um, there are others who say, yeah, you know, there tomorrow will that that prayer will initiate a process that will end up in the ending of the spread of communism and the bringing about an era of peace. But it'll only come through a time of chastisement and devastation. But the prayer will be one that is connected to the Lord bringing the church through a great time of purification and the world through purification too. It's like you got to go through Good Friday before you get to Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that's a second theory. Then you have the Tom theory. So you want to know my theory? My theory is that something's going to happen tomorrow, and it is not. It it won't be visible, um, but it'll happen. And the downstream effects of it will eventually lead it to come out into the open. Maybe a year later. Maybe five years later. Maybe twenty five years later. But it'll be traced back to, it was on March 25th, 2022, that, you know, here's a for instance, you know, Putin and his generals were gathering at this meeting and all of a sudden, boom, there was like a miracle of the sun in their room. And they all fell down in, in tears of repentance and they said, we are, we are just not going to, you know, go forward the way we, we thought. Or, you know, something like that, right? Some mm-hmm. kind of more hidden event happens but then downstream from that, the effects will become known and only later will it be seen that, wow, that consecration had that kind of amazing effect. So. Hope so. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping for, uh, one, you know, one or all of the above, right? Actually, I don't we really know. Like, we're on the winning like team. Two. We're on the winning team no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like no, number two very much either. <laughs> yeah. If you have to, if you get to pick, Lord, Lord if we're going to put in our little vote, we, we pick not number two. Um, but. I, I am picking, let's join in. Let's join in on that act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Let's let's honor Our Lady of Fatima's request as it came through Sister Lucy. And I know the, the gift that that has been in my own life, um, having made an act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary myself. I've done it together with Kerry. Um, uh, and we did it um, more than once. Um, we did it, I don't know, um, five or six years ago, I think. Man, even longer, 10 years ago. Um, and and so it, it has been an incredible gift. And uh, so I'm excited to be able to do that. <laughs>